So if you got your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 17. I do want to say it's great to have all of our visitors today. Luke 17. It says, as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village there, met, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy or pity on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice glorifying God and fell down on his face and his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, were not the, uh, the ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Is that, is that my last text? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we ask you that you just move. We pray for your holy anointing, O oh God. Anoint our hearts, God, anoint our lives. We just thank you for this great day to come. We thank you for your presence that we feel. Help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Put verse 11 back up. and look, I just want to go through this real quick. It says, and he passed between Samaria and Galilee, and he entered a village there, and they met him ten men who stood a distance. Now, I want you to understand this. Those leprous men, their life was pretty much over. They had combines where they could only stay together. The reason that it made it a point to say they were at a distance is because they could not come anywhere near somebody without saying unclean, unclean, unclean. And I want you to get that distance between them and Jesus. I want you to see that because I want to talk a little bit about that distance. Amen? I don't know about you, but when Jesus came, the distance between me and him got real. It closed the gap quickly. When he hood on that, stood on that cross and died on that cross and said, it is finished, the gap was already breached. Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Now we can cry, Abba, Father, and now he can move in our lives every day in every way. He's more than just an encounter. He is a person that's in our lives, and he bridged the gap that day. Come on, church. He bridged the gap that day. Amen. Now we can just go boldly. Now we can bring every petition and every need to our God. And he cares. Cast them all on him because he cares for you. Amen. Look at this next verse, 13. They lifted up their voice saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. You there? You ever been there? Didn't that exactly what happened when we got saved? Isn't it always funny that leprosy and sin are the same thing? It's a rotting away. Yes. Sin will rot you. Sin will take you deeper than you want to go. Right. Sin thinks it's pleasurable until you have to pay the price in the end of it. Right. The wages of sin is always going to be death. Right. I want you to see that we are those lepers. There was a gap that we could not feel. There was a sickness in our heart that could not be cured. Amen? Now you might be self-righteous and think that you can live this thing. You can't live this thing. You can try. You can't live it. That's why people come and they say, it's too hard. You can't live this. You've never been intended to live it. He came to bridge the gap, and he lives. It's yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. It's Christ that gives us the strength. It brings a humility when we say he closed the gap. Yeah. 
Amen? Amen. So look at 14. When he saw them, he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. And they went and they were cleansed. Now stop. This is where we get in trouble. We get the load of sin and the guilt of sin and the bondage of sin. Come on. And we get bogged down. How many of you remember the night you got saved? Now look, if you don't remember that night, I, listen, Papa can tell you dates and times. I just know kind of what month it happened. I don't remember which Sunday night in that month. But in December sometime in 99, I gave my life back to Jesus Christ. And I remember when I got up from that altar, something was totally different than the guy that went down there. And if you can't remember when that was like, remember when the freedom of sin, you just got free from all sin, all that burden and all that garbage that was in your spirit was cleansed and made whole and you were fresh and the joy of the Lord was alive. You couldn't help but tell it. Brother Dave met me a couple weeks ago and said, man, I heard a song. He's a chain breaker and we had church in the lobby. We didn't even need to come in here because you know what? He understands there's a freedom power of the Holy Spirit that's alive in his life. And man, it'll bless you. I love talking to him. It's just a blessing from what God can do. But then we get free. And Paul has to write and say, don't use your freedom to please the flesh. Now you feel good and there's no guilt. And these lepers said, oh, man, I had all this life I had to live. And they go on. I wonder how many times. When, you, you just listen to me. This is the thought I have. And I'll, I'll, keep, I'll, I'll promise I'll keep it short. I've got a few scriptures. When's the last time you just stopped? And you just said, thank you for saving me. That's the thought I just kept coming to me. I wanted to preach about Hosanna. He, Dad said something about it today, that only he can save us. That's what they were saying. Let me tell you the only thing I've learned about the whole Palm Sunday. Here's a point to take with you. If you live your life to please men, there's a movie quote that I love. It says, the crowd is fickle, brother. So 28 days after they were saying, only you can save us, only you're the king, the same one said, release to us Barabbas. You better live your life. Palm Sunday teaches you one thing. You better leave it, live it for him. You better live it for his, the affirmation of God and not man. Because let me tell you, man will be for you one day and 28 days later, they'll be the ones crucifying you. You better get that from Palm Sunday. That was free. It wasn't in the notes, but it'll teach us something. We better live our lives to please him and him alone. Amen. Because I'm telling you, Jesus walked that day. The city was lined with palm branches. And the same people watched him humiliated and brutally murdered and could have freed him. But they didn't. So back to, back to our lepers. Look at 15. He says, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorifying God. And fell down on his face and his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Man, you should have seen the Jews when Jesus said that last part. The very ones they hated. And he says, oh, and by the way, he wasn't Jewish. He was a Samaritan. He wasn't like you. Oh, and you could see. Ah. 
how it hit them. I think God wants to deal with us sometimes that way. We get to thinking about church should be this way and things should be this way. And only God can use this type of person. And only God can use this. And the Lord comes and says, no, no, no. Every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every race. We're a, a good friend of mine, he, some of you, a lot of you have heard him preach before. And he's the associate pastor of a church about 500 in Birmingham. He's become one of my closest friends. And he said one time, he said, I encountered an angel. The Bible says, be careful to entertain strangers unaware because lest you uh, have angels in your presence. Or I messed that all up, but you get what I'm saying. Be careful just when a stranger comes around. It could be an angel. Well, he met this guy and he was random and weird. And he said everything and he said, he put, the guy put his hand down and Jason put his hand on top of it. And he said, you know, it's funny. The world calls me white and the world calls you black which means they're polar opposites because they want to set us at each other. And he said, but the truth is, it's just pigment. At the end of the day, all it is is pigmentation. And he said, more than that, I'm not really black, I'm brown. <laughs> and he said, and the truth of that is, that's what the world wants us to be. And in the church, there's no place for it. There, it's us. We're all in this together. I'm telling you, if you don't like a race, you're in trouble if you're going to heaven because it's full of every tribe. I can't wait to get there to see all the redeemed of the Lord all together united. Don't you dare buy into this. This is Democratic or Republican. This is a, we do not war after the flesh or against the flesh. It's a spiritual attack that tries to divide our nation. And Jesus Christ himself came to deal with the core of it in every man. It's always been. And he settled it once and for all. Amen. Amen. That wasn't in my notes, but you can keep it. When Jason told me that, I thought, yeah. That's what I want Evangel to be. I want it to be a church that doesn't just say this is one kind of church or another. This is a church that represents the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. Amen. So where we get in trouble is we get more focused on what we don't have than what we do have. This week, how many scriptures are on giving thanks? If I was to ask right now, baby, you might have to get me my water. If I was to ask you right now, how many of you really this week just gave thanks to God? Better yet, then I'll ask you, how many of you say you're having trouble praying? I guarantee you a good percent of the church, including my, we're having some trouble praying. Well, thanksgiving is the key. You can't just come to God every time. Because Jesus asked, he said, where, where are those nine? How many times have I, we'll just put it in my lap. Come down to the altar, I had a need, and God met my need, and he just reassured me and revived me. And before I could hit the door, I haven't said thank you one time. Because it's about my life. You enter his gates with what? 
Okay, that's the outer gate. Now, how do you get into his courts where he is with praise? You can't just go in with petition. You can't get to your prayer life is not a grocery list of I need this or I need that. Or God, can you see what they're doing to me? And God, can you do this? And God, can you do that? Listen, the reason he's not answering is because there's a formula. Our father who art in heaven, hallow, holy be your name. And he goes all through there with thanksgiving. Thank you for the bread you gave me, God. Thank you for forgiving me and help me as you forgave me to forgive those. It's a nothing but a prayer of thanksgiving. How many of us ate yesterday and didn't even think about it? Missionaries in Indian places right now, there's people that wake up. And they haven't eaten in 10 and 11 and 12 days. And when they do eat, it's a little bowl of rice. And they know they're going to go another 10, 11, 12 days. Brother Abrams told me he walked the streets of India and just wept because of all the children that were malnourished. And he was like, God, what can I do for them? And the Lord spoke to him and said, more than food, they need their souls saved. Because this life is temporary. And I believe we should feed him, and I'm sure he did, if you know Brother Abrams. But we're not thankful for what we have. I'm talking to myself. A couple weeks ago, I didn't know I was going to preach, and I told y'all, I'm just sharing with you my personal devotion. Welcome to my personal devotion. That's what God told me this week. You are not thankful. Then you just have to rewind and listen to your heart. And you tell all the stuff that you've griped about and all the things you complained about. How old is that guy that you cut his hair in the hospital? 30. What's his name, Chase? John. John. Not even close. (laughs) I'm sorry. I take a medicine that dries my throat out. You have to forgive me. John, 30 years old, had to get lung replacements. Chase and Ashley go to church with him. Bethany goes and cuts his hair. And when I was getting this sermon ready, Brother Tim, God reminded me, you could be in that hospital dying. That could be you. We haven't just said, thank you for my health. Thank you for my health, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for just my health. Yes, thank you for saving me should be at the core always. But the next is, thank you for my health. Thank you for the health of my family. God, thank you that you've always met my need according to your riches in glory. Amen? Amen. Let me just share a couple more scriptures with you. Andy was sick and Chris wasn't here. Chris taught on this one time. And it's never left me. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Actually, go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 first. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Keep that up. Now, that's not a refrigerator magnet. Everybody loves it, and it's flowy, and 85% of this church right now could quote those scriptures. 
you see so many people in the church that are like, what is God's will? What is God's plan? He tells you clearly, there is one simple and clear plan for the will of God, and that's for everything in every season, whether it's up and whether it's down, to give thanks always. Why? For the will of God in Christ Jesus. You've got to be in Him to get that mindset. Now, if you live for yourself, you will never achieve that right there. But through him, you can really live a heart. Listen, there's so many of us, and I've been so guilty, say, well, I'm just going through a dry season. You ever heard that? It's just a terrible season. It's not a terrible season. Most of the time, it's called seasoning. You're going through something, and God's putting some flavor in your life. How do you know you can love your enemies if you don't have any enemies? We don't want any enemies. We want everything to be just perfect. But how do you know? How do you get the season in your life if there's never an attack? It's not by people. Don't ever lose that. Spiritual attacks come from spiritual places, not from flesh and blood. Jonah 2.9. I don't even think I gave it to him. Jonah is in the middle of a well. You can put that down. He's in the middle of a well. In the well. See how that, we're just biblical. We don't even get, we're just like, yeah, he's in a well. No, like, this dude is under the sea. We can't breathe water. And he's in the belly of a beast. There is no iPhone to light it up and hit the app. He's in the pitch black fish guts. And it says in Jonah, offer thanksgiving, Jonah 2, 9, to the Lord. From the middle of that, you know what he learned? That fish was the difference in his life. He could have griped. He could have complained. After all, wasn't it his fault he was there? He could have been so discouraged and disappointed, but he turned his voice to the Lord and began to offer thanksgiving in the middle. He didn't know that well was going to spit him out. You do because you read it. You've heard the story. This guy didn't have a clue. He worshiped and gave thanksgiving despite of the outcome. And that's the heart God wants in us is God, no matter what happens, I'm going to praise you. No matter if I get my way or I don't get my way, I'm going to thank you. Because after all, I've read enough to know Jonah didn't have a Bible that everything works together for the good of those that love you. And you gave me this fish and I don't like this fish and I don't like being here but it's going to be for the good of not just me it's going to start to bless everybody around me think about how many people got saved because Jonah's fish now what the devil wants us to do is we get in the fish and it's our fault by the way let's just keep that alive there's persecution that comes because you're being righteous and then there's persecution that comes because you were being unrighteous and what I love about God is if you'll turn your voice to him It don't matter righteous or unrighteous. He's righteous. He'll deliver you. He'll take that thing that the devil devil will start saying. Listen, you know why so many Christians are ineffective? I promise you God laid this on my heart. Because they are not very thankful. So all they think about is them and what's happening to them. They're not looking around thinking about people that are going through real trials. Like John laying in 30 years old. They don't know if his lung implant is going to even work. He's got to 
He's got a daughter, son, a young son. If you're not careful, you'll think your problem is as big as that problem. That's what unthankfulness does. I'm preaching to myself today. I knew this wasn't going to get everybody lit and fired up and jumping around. But man, if we'll grab this, people will notice the change. The will of God is just to give thanks. As I was down here, I kept feeling like there's something else the Lord wanted to give me in this sermon. And I just couldn't break through. And when the first song hit, I felt the Holy Spirit remind me, Paul and Silas. And I thought, that's it. That's the missing piece. They had been beaten. They had been thrown in the inner dungeon. Now, if you want to go study that, I want you to understand every bit of waste and human feces and everything else went to the inner dungeon. That's where it flowed. And they are down in that, beaten. And it says at midnight, Paul and Silas begin to praise the Lord. I thought, man, do we even know God? That's what I thought about myself. Like, I can't even endure this just little bit. And these guys have been beaten for him. Boy, we'd been whining to God so mad. We're such an entitled generation. You're guilty. We'd be whining and complaining. Oh, God, you've forsaken me. Oh, God, you've left me here to die. Wouldn't we? And it says, and they just begin to sing praises. And God inhabits the praises of his people. I, you, you might disagree with me, and I don't have any scripture on this. I don't even believe you can really praise God until you're in the storm. If the Holy Spirit's moving around here, the, the rocks will cry out and praise him. He demands it. But we can't really worship and praise him like Job until you've lost everything. And when you should lose your mind, your sanity comes from him. Because Job said, even though he slay me, I will trust in him. For I know that my Redeemer lives. That's what it's all about. Paul and Silas said, I don't care if you beat this body. Jesus Christ, That think about what they did to him. He even came and said... Are you any better than your master? They've talked about me. They've lied about me. What are you? What's your problem? And they begin to sing. They begin to give thanks. They begin to offer praise. Listen, I, I love how we read that and think that God just shook the jail cell. And everybody's chains fell off. Because they did. If you have, there's a lesson in that. If we'll get the attitude of thanksgiving, it's contagious. It'll break off other people. People start telling, well, do you know what so-and-so did? Yeah, but God is good. Do you know how many times God moved? Do you know how God always moves? And all of a sudden, chains will begin to fall off. But that's not what happened in that jail cell. God did not reach his hand down there and shake it. God came down and his face and put his ear in that jail cell. And the 
earth cannot hold the power of God. I want you to get that. It wasn't God just like, oh, I better shake this jail up. No, God came in that jail cell because he inhabits the praises of his people. And I don't care what jail cell you feel like you're in. If you'll begin to offer praise to God, he won't just shake it loose. He'll come be a part of your life. He'll come walk with you. He'll come talk with you. And there's no chains or jail cells that can ever resist God. Don't you read that story like, oh, well, God's just up there like, oh, this is good. Shake you loose. You're free. No, no, no. God came in there. God came with them. And why? Same way with Jonah. If we will take the bad things that are happening to us and offer praise, the jailer got saved and all of his household. Amen. Once again, hearts of thanksgiving are about souls. Hearts that are overflowing with thanksgiving care about others and their needs. Listen, when I, I will tell you one last story, and it's not even 1130. When I was a kid, I grew up in church. And at a young age, I felt the power of God and the presence of God. And I knew the presence of God felt like. And I can remember... I unlocked this key when I was about 10 or 11, and I got something. If I ever wanted to feel the presence of God, I'm not lying to you. I would lay on my bed, and I would begin to just give thanks as 11 or 12, and I would say, thank you for Papa God. Thank you for Nana. Thank you for the clothes they bought us, because you know that happened. Thank you for everything they've given us. Thank you for my mom, and thank you for my dad. God, thank you for the house. Thank you for our church. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for Brother Davis. What a part of my life he's been my whole life. Thank you. And I just, as I gave thanks, I got it. Listen, I wasn't even using it the right way. I didn't even understand really what I was tapping into. More than God, I just wanted the feeling of his presence. He came anyway. Now I appreciate the person that comes more than the presence that comes. But even back then, God came down to a heart that was thankful. If you're in a dry spell today, you can break the dry spell. I'm telling you, it works every time. Whether you've been faithful or whether you haven't been faithful, because he's always faithful. You come to him and you say, God, I haven't been faithful. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for that you never hold a grudge. God, I thank you that you are good all the time. I thank you that when I even went wrong, you searched after the one. You left the 99. I thank you. And I'm telling you, the power of God will flow in your life. Thank you, God, for this trial I'm going through because it's seasoning me. I was talking to Papa before church. This church will only grow as much as the staff and the leadership's pain threshold. When you grow, pain happens. And we got to thank him for the pain. It's not pleasant. It's ugly. But you can only grow what you're... That's the same way with your spiritual life. Your pain threshold is how much you're going to grow. I know. Nobody likes to talk about pain. But it's not pain... If you're beat and you're in a dungeon and you offer praise, do you think for one minute when that whole family got saved, do you think that Paul even thought about that dungeon? He saw everything that came at him from God. 
whether good or bad, but he knew God was working it. I don't think we believe that sometimes. I really don't. I think that we think sometimes God's mad at us. Listen to me. You've missed the Easter message. I got to play some top golf with Dr. K, and he told me about all the different religions and all that he's been through. And he said, finally, he just realized God is God and what the book says, what the book says. And it's simple and we can make, man can make it all difficult and all that. And I thought, what liberating statement. It's just, just God is God. And the Bible's the Bible. Yeah. It's the gospel. He, Paul had to write and say, don't lose your simplicity in Jesus Christ. You've made this thing way too hard. Listen, that's the whole purpose of the cross. Is that God's not mad at us. The rage of God was displayed when he smote Jesus Christ. And when we go to him, and you know good and well he should smack us sometimes. And we go to him and he hugs us. With you, there is forgiveness of sin. Therefore, you are feared. And that does not mean tremble that he's going to hit you. It's a reverent love. There is no no other God that does it this way. You want to go to the Buddhists or the Hindus? You want to go to Muhammad? You want to go to any of them? They have to pay penance for their own sin. Have to beat their backs. Go look at it. They've got lashes all over their back. That's what we deserve. That is what human righteousness tries to do. God, I'll earn you back. You can't do it. I know this is a simple message, but I'm telling you, if it'll get in the center and the core of us, we will revolutionize this world. They need to hear, God does not have a baseball bat standing angry at you for being a sinner. God has open arms and he is calling for you. And actually, he hasn't even came back for his church because he is patient and long-suffering, willing that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. That's the gospel. It's powerful. To those that perish, it's foolishness. But to us, it is the power of God. Amen. It's, he loves us. Oh, I thank you for saving me from my leprosy. I thank you so much that I would be in hell or in jail if it wasn't for you. I thank you that even when I went wrong, You taught me to go right, the song says. Let's just, let's leave this today, not with an encounter in here, but with a thankful heart. You got to ask the Lord to help you. Now, why would he write you and say it's his will for you to give thanks in all things, not some things? And then he just said, well, do it on your own. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. I've grown up my whole life hearing scriptures like that. Well, I've got to give thanks. And I tried. I'm like, I'm going to give thanks. I'm going to be thankful. And you know, you start to pray in your car, and you're like, thank you, God, for this. And then you're like, man, I wonder if I turn that, off, that iron off. Or man, if I, you know, man, I forgot to go by the grocery store. That's called human, by the way. I grew up thinking every preacher was always just praying all the time, and they lived in these heavenly places. No, 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 they're, they're men and women. But when you say, Holy Spirit, help me to be thankful, I'll show you where he shows up. Is when you're in the dungeon 
and you're beaten and you're about to start murmuring. And the Holy Spirit gives you that prick. He's a gentleman, by the way. You can bulldoze him. How many things that I should not have said that he pricked me and said, just don't say that. Now, I know none of y'all do that. So I'm just talking about me. He's a gentleman. He says, you know, if you just don't say that, just. Now, you can bulldoze through him. He's going to do that to us today. Starting today, he's going to go this whole week. Man, we should be so thankful this week for the cross. But every time you're going to complain, he's going to say, ah, give praise, give thanks. Your choice. And that's where I always pray, God, please help me choose right. I cannot choose right without you. By nature, I see the negative. Do not see the positive. Amen? In one of those last scriptures that I was reading, it's the scripture that says, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are true, think on these things. To get an attitude of thanksgiving, you're going to have to stay thankful and thinking on these things. You're not just going to be able to say, God, I need you to do it, and then you not read and you not pray when he tells you to. I'm telling you, you know why these mega churches are blowing the doors off of them? Because they're telling you how easy it is, and they're not putting absolutely zero responsibility back on the pew. And people are hearing, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, this is easy. I got it. No, 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 there's a responsibility. Jesus said, if you're going to be his disciple, you got to take up your cross, which means killing what you want, and you got to follow him. We have something to do. If you're having trouble giving Thanksgiving, just open up the Psalms. I can't tell you. You'd probably think I'm crazy sometimes, but when I really get just had it, I just start reading the Psalms out loud to myself. Why are you so downcast? My soul. Hope in the Lord. It's hard to be angry when you read that. Out loud. Because it hits you right where you are. What are you so upset about, oh my soul? I thought you were saved and going to heaven. I thought you had a friend that sinks closer than a brother. Amen. I'm glad I got married later in life because I'm telling you, there's that time where I call it the kill zone where you get about 22 and all your friends are getting married and having kids and you're not married and you hit 25 and then 26. And listen, that's where the devil will take you out. You'll make the wrong decision. You'll jump because you should just be thankful for the singleness. Every married person should say amen. amen. I've got none. Marriage is wonderful and marriage is great. Don't get me wrong. Marriage is work. When I was single, 2 a.m. Waffle House visits, any night I wanted to, were put on the table. When I got married, I realized if I tried to leave at 2 o'clock for Waffle House, it wasn't going down. (laughs) See, you can get so focused on what you don't have. Amen. Isn't it funny how truth just makes us laugh? Just like, yeah. (laughs) Thank you for the beautiful wife, Lord, and thank you for all she is, and I mean that with all my heart. Thank you for our marriage, and it's great. But man, when I was single, I didn't even know. I have to love her like Christ loves me. 
I would rather him said, see all these women like, we don't submit to anybody. The Bible says submit. Listen, I'd gladly rather submit to her than have to be responsible to love her the way my Jesus loves me. That's a responsibility right there. That's a love right there. You have to tap into God's love for that. Now she makes it easy. I'm glad she didn't get that call. She'd probably be in trouble. That's what it's all about. You, you get so caught up in your season that you make dumb mistakes because you're just not thankful for what you got. Right? Let somebody get a new car and drive in here. All of a sudden, instead of thanking God, you got a vehicle, period, that works, period. All of a sudden, you're talking about, it's called covetousness, really. And we've actually, in the church, for some reason, we act like to covet is normal. The commercials make us covet. The, you know, you can't have the iPhone 5 before the next thing you know, there's an iPhone X. And you're not just like, thankful God that I get to talk to people and use this. Then you're like, I just got to have that. Yeah, silence. I know. You deal with people's idols and they get mad. The new car. Somebody gets a new house. You know, this dump we live in, we got to fix it up and we got to get going and move it. Isn't that what we do? See, y'all all relaxed because you thought the sermon was ending. <laughs> what I did was I gave you a little sugar and a cookie. <laughs> then the casserole. That's true. Listen to yourself. Listen, instead of just being thankful for what you have, you're always wanting to compete with the Joneses. Credit card debt in America is going through the roof because we're living so far above our means and everybody's got to keep up with their Instagram and Twitter account and Pinterest. Everything they do now has got to be this big. They're shooting rockets up and blowing up to show, oh, it's a boy, blue. You know, when the whole, my whole life, you just told everybody, we're having a boy. Yeah. You're like, great, gender reveal. <laughs> Rockets and pyrotechnics and people are coming out of the rafters. Woo, it's a boy. It's a blue rope. It's a blue rope. And if you've done all that, great. Have at it. And I'll do it too, I promise. But I'm just telling you. That is where we have gone. Fifteen years ago, you know what we would have called all that? Insanity. It's the new normal. Amen. And listen, I'm not against it at all. I told y'all. I, I was looking at rockets the other day. <laughs> Timmy and Miranda's reveal party is going to have rockets, these things that blow up, and it's going to be crazy awesome. So don't get, me, don't, don't get what I'm saying. Don't miss what I'm saying. We let that Pinterest world drive us to what we need, what we got to have, what we should have, instead of just stopping and thankful for what we have. You know how many marriages could have been saved if they would have just been thankful for what they had? You know what you find out? Them old country people got great sayings, and they're so true. I'm thinking about writing a book of all Papa's sayings for every situation. It's so good. Why do you think they said the grass is never greener on the other side? It's exactly right. It's grass. And it's grass where you're standing, and it's grass over there where you can't stand. It's grass. Amen. You got to cut it, and you got to weed eat it, and you got to trim it. Now, you can apply that to any situation you want to. It's the same principle. It's grass. Amen. Be, just be thankful for your spouse. 
The next time he comes in, ladies, and he misses the laundry basket, just be thankful he threw it towards it. I think I used the pulpit right there for my personal agenda, and I apologize. Thank you, brother. Amen. What a good day it is. Everybody stand with me. My mom's in the nursery. I had another one, so I was gonna, like, I'm going to save it for a later day. I was going to say, no matter what she cooked, just thank you, Lord, that it's food. <laughs> Good or bad or ugly. Thank you for the food, Lord. Y'all have to make sure you tell mom I said that. I told somebody the other day, she makes the best Taco Bell around. So, God love her. But... Today, I really do feel a spirit of rejoicing, and, and I, I really did want to talk about Palm Sunday. I really did. I think it's really cool. But God just kept leading me back to this. It's not about a series of events. You know what happened to our student ministry? Somewhere I messed up. And listen, this is my first gig, so give me a breather. I learned from it. I made that one week of camp everything I made that it, it's just this is us in this one week and God did awesome things but we weren't connected the other 51 weeks this Easter week it's a great week I'm thankful that Aaron and, and Maddie and Sierra went and got flowers and they're doing all this stuff. And I, I'm thankful we're going to rejoice again next Sunday. I'm looking forward to Good Friday night. I'm believing there's going to be a powerful move this weekend. Yes, I am. But listen to me. It's just a weekend. I'm telling you today, God's given us his will. And his will is to live every day thankful. I don't care what card you get dealt. You can start to praise him for that card. The devil can't beat you. He thought, I'm going to beat Paul. I'm going to beat Silas. I thought about it sitting there. I'm going to throw him in the dungeon. I'm going to teach them what happens when you come at my kingdom. And Paul said, oh, I've got a, the weapons of our warfare. Woo, I feel God are not carnal, but the, our weapons are mighty through God. And we've got a weapon that Satan don't know how to do anything with. It's called thanksgiving. When you begin to give thanks and praise, they said, man, I'm hitting this guy. I'm beating this guy. I've boxed this guy into a dungeon. Listen, I've chained him up to a soldier. Paul said, that's cool. Chain me up for a year. I'm just going to go write 75% of the New Testament. And these guys, 2018, are going to be preaching from. I don't care what you do to me. You can't stop a praiser. You can't stop somebody that's just thankful. You can't beat them. Thank you for the attack, God. What does Satan do with that? Whoa. This guy's crazy. Every time I hit him, he just thanks me. Thanks God. I'm going to leave him alone. That's why men like Smith Wigglesworth could wake up in the middle of the night and discern there's a spirit in his room and that it wasn't just one of the imps, it was Satan himself. And he said, oh, it's just you. And he rolled over and went back to sleep. The devil can't do nothing with you. 
Because even if he cuts your head off and kills you, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You can't beat a believer that's full of thanksgiving. Amen.